0: Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse.
1: Welcome to episode 138 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, I have with me Sarah Richmond, she's been with me in the past, in the very recent past, and we just had so much fun that we thought, let's do it again. Yes. And Sarah, what topic did you want to talk about, Sarah? Sarah actually threw out some topics she really wanted to talk about, and she picked this one as the first one. So what? What is it?
2: Uh, joy, I guess. And I would, I would actually qualify that. I'm really into humor, so that's what I mean by it. But I wanted to sound grown up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh.
1: We were having a great conversation before we started this podcast. And then we were like, wait a minute, we are actually doing the podcast episode right now and we're not recording. So we hit the record button and we're just going to kind of, not complete, but we're going to continue our conversation about joy and humor and the place that it has in our lives as abuse survivors. Does it have a place in our lives? I mean, some people might say there is nothing funny about abuse, which I would agree with. But what, so how would you answer, address that?
2: I, I can understand that. And I think especially in the current political climate and the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, there's this idea that if we're laughing or being jovial or making light of things, especially that relate to, to, to heavier subject matter, that we're somehow disrespecting it or we're denying reality. And I don't agree at all because if we just sit in sort of the heaviness and the weight of all the crappy stuff in this world, or even just the things that are happening to us, then we're bound to be overwhelmed. That doesn't lend any light or life to us. And so how are we actually honoring the stuff that is heavy? I mean, what are we doing that's productive if we're just down all the time?
1: Right. This, This actually reminds me of, I'm in the middle of two shows right now. One is Ted Lasso. Have you seen that yet? I haven't, but I know I have to watch it. Oh my gosh, Sarah, Sarah, you are (laughs) going to flip over that show. Okay. I am all about that show. So Ted Lasso it's, it's, it's got everything. It's got all of the funniness and the humor. I mean, it's hysterically funny, but it's also super serious. You cry every other minute. So literally it's one of the, I mean, I think it was in uh, Steel Magnolias. So one of the characters said, the best feeling of all is when you're crying and laughing at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like the best feeling in the world. And so I think that's kind of what we're talking about. So Ted Lasso is a great show to watch if you want to see how to blend hard things in with humor. Because Ted Lasso has a lot of hard things happening in his life. And yet he is one of the most heartwarming, funny people. And he just brings so much light and joy to other people. And then the other show that I thought of is, um, it's called a million little things. And that one is on Hulu. Ted Lasso is on Lasso, 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 Ted Lasso Lasso is actually, he is kind of, he does have a Southern accent. Um, Anyway, a million little things is on Hulu. Oh, I didn't say what Tad, Tad Lasso was on. It's on uh, Apple, Apple TV. Okay. So A Million Little Things is about, is a show that t- touches on topics of suicide, yeah. depression. Um, there's affairs and not, not like infidelity, yeah. divorce, um, cancer survivor. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, the pandemic is now is in this season now too. I love it when shows do the pandemic. It's it's like, "Hey, my gosh, I was there. I was there. That happened to me, too." <laughs> it's kind of funny. Anyway, um that show has also shown me how you can have all of these hard things, but there's some characters in there that kind of provide the humor. They're still going through hard things, too, but they're but they're able to maintain their sense of humor, yeah. and they bring you can laugh and cry at the same time. Yeah. And I think it's important to be able to get to a place or be around some people who provide that.
2: Yeah, those are my favorite people.
1: Yeah, you're one of those people, Sarah. I am. You know, you, you are. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're one of those people who can laugh and cry at the same time. And, to me, and you're one of those people who can make others laugh and cry at the same time. So that's why, that's why I, ju- that's one of the reasons why I love you. I remember when I met you two years ago, we're just riffing you guys. Okay. So, but I met you. Was it three years ago?
2: I I actually talked to somebody else who I met at the retreat and she said it was 2019. So I guess it was two years ago. It
1: seems like forever ago, but I guess, okay. So 2019 and that's what struck me about you. You were so funny, but also very real and honest about your life. And you had a lot of hard, you still do have a lot of hard things going on. You're divorced, but yeah, Yeah. which which is a good thing. (laughs) But um. You've got kids with health problems. You've got health problems, like chronic serious health problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you, how do you continue to, or how do you go through life and with a good attitude and with a sense of humor?
2: I mean, I don't always, I have times where I'm just sort of want to throw a tantrum and jump up and down. I want to see that. Every now and then. Yes, I do. Um, And I think that That's, that's, I mean, that's key is to not deny, you know, what you're going through, but I'm not sure if it's natural or not. So I don't want to pose it as this like special, uh, special skill that I have. That's unachievable.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but although there are people who have, you know, their personalities maybe do tend to be more humorous than others, right? Some people are more serious than others. Yeah.
2: But I guess, um, maybe part of it is just like wanting to be honest about things. I went to the doctor. Um, last week, he's like, so how can I help you? And I was like, first, you can help me stop pooping because I just can't stop. (laughs) And I mean, I seem to have like uh, food allergies that have cropped up since since a recent surgery. And I mean, I don't know whether he appreciated my humor or not, but if I'm going to have to go in there and talk about going to the bathroom all the time, then I'm going to just... Make it into something right, joke about because it's life. I don't
1: know, right? Right, it is life. You know what? That is that right there is a really good point. I think when we're living in shame or we're super serious about life,
2: yeah,
1: we there is you can't find the humor in it because there's so much shame in it. But if you accept it and embrace it, then you can. It's almost like You can be self-deprecating a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, and I think it's, there's a certain charm to that. I think Ted Lasso is kind of like that, actually. He's really funny and he's got, you know, he's got these, he's, he's an American over in the UK, over in England, actually. And he's trying to coach a football team, a soccer over there.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and they don't like him because he's, for one, he's not a soccer coach. He's an actual football coach from America right. From down South. And so he's got a very different understanding of things. And, and so the people over there are like, you're, you came over here and you're going to ruin this team, this professional team, you're going to ruin it. And indeed that is what the whole purpose is. That's why the woman hired him. She actually wants him to ruin it. Oh yeah. But he actually, you know, that's not what happens eventually, but, um, I was going somewhere with this, and I completely don't have any idea where.
2: That happens all the time to me, and then I just tell the person I'm talking to, "I'm sorry, you're never going to get those two minutes back."
1: And there's no shame in it. Like I have, yeah, I literally right now feel no shame in completely losing my brains.
2: Audience, I I kind of like it actually. Few minutes back. Yeah, and we're not. You won't.
1: (laughs) But you know what? It. (laughs) What was the value to you? I don't know. You. (laughs) got to spend time with me. (laughs) (laughs) So if I have a good good self-image, I'll be okay with that. If I have a terrible self-image, then I'll be like, oh my gosh, I just wasted
2: her time. Oh, that poor girl. She just had to spend two minutes with me doing absolutely nothing. (laughs) Well, you were talking about not having any shame. And I think that one thing that I can relate to now that I've been out for four years is, um, that, that also relates to shame is that when I'm just being myself, that that brings joy to me and a lot of times to others. I know, um, so I started running more consistently within the last year and I just ran the farthest I ever have, eight and a half miles, and it about killed me. You <laughs> you mean, and imagine. I don't, to be, to be absolutely honest, like I look like death when I'm done running. I don't look pretty. I don't even know if I look like a woman or a human anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished. And I actually ran it with my boyfriend and um, we're in like the the city center of the city that's near us. And um, I was so proud of myself. I was just like, attention, attention, everybody. I just announced it and no one even reacted. No one gave a flying crap at all. And I was like, but it didn't, I mean, that didn't upset me. I think it just made me happy that I did it anyways. Exactly. You, you enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's things we need to do because we enjoy it. Like yeah. I'm going to make an announcement here that I just ran eight, eight and a half miles. And it doesn't matter if if everyone looks at me like I'm cracked. I really enjoy it that I'm making yeah. this announcement. I like it. Sure. Yeah. I like that. That's by the way, that's amazing. I literally can't walk. I mean, I I can't run to the end of my freaking driveway. So I I can't even wrap my brain around running eight and a half miles.
2: Uh, I mean, I do it very slowly. (laughs) Okay. And sometimes complain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was one of those kids that, well, maybe this happens to everyone. I would get such horrible side aches within, you know, 30 seconds that.
2: You know, that used to happen to me a lot when I was a kid, but it doesn't really anymore. I don't know why.
1: What is that from?
2: Somebody told me, I don't know that it's true, but somebody told me that it's, it's like what happens if you run at an inconsistent pace, but I don't see how that's accurate because I mean, I, no. I don't run at consistent paces. So.
1: No, that doesn't make any sense at all. I want to know the scientific, like physiological reason why, um, why your side, the side of your abdomen would be an excruciating pain.
2: Your diaphragm is very angry with you for running. And yeah. It's punishing you. I don't, I have no idea.
1: Well, so I'm just going to listen to my diaphragm and we're just going to go with that because I don't want it to be mad at me. I want it to be happy with me. Yeah, for real. Okay. So let's talk about joy because I was thinking about this before we got on and some people would say, especially abuse survivors would say joy is unattainable for me because I'm My life, my daily existence is so overwhelming and so painful, and I'm just being beaten down on a regular basis by this person that I'm living with. My kids are all needy. I don't know how to keep up. I'm falling behind in everything. I have no support at church. I don't have any friends. We don't have a lot of money, or my husband controls all the money. Where's the joy in that?
2: So they're still in their abusive situation, right? Yeah. And that's, I would say, the hardest of all. You know, I have a lot of empathy for them. And I think that there's validity to what they're thinking and saying. But they're basically just declaring that their life is over. And I know that despite the fact that I was in a marriage like that, there was, I still did laugh a fair amount. So, I think we also fail to understand that when it comes down to it, like we really are the boss of the way we think about things and we're, and I think we feel robbed of that power when we're in abusive situations because we're robbed of so much. But I remember being at a stoplight a while back and thinking and feeling really low, just thinking my life sort of sucks. This is probably like two years ago. My life sort of sucks. Everything is so hard. And my ex is a big old piece of duty. and then I thought if I worked so hard to get out and I worked so hard to to start to rebuild my life, why would I choose to be miserable any longer? Now I'm not saying that as a way to like lambast myself or shame anybody else for like the the dark moments and the dark days, but I think joy is a choice. Mm -hmm. And it's not one that has to be just another thing that you add to your list of, you know, your, your ridiculously long list of things that you can never accomplish it can just be, you know, turning your thoughts another way or choosing like in the moment, maybe you're so ticked at your kids and everything is going wrong. Like sometimes all I do to change my day is I start singing in a weird voice about what I'm really, really mad about. Mm. Oh, my children never listen to me. And why is my house always dirty? You know, yeah, like- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Or even changing the, I mean, when you do that, you started smiling when you did it. And I started smiling when you did it too. Even when you smile, I've heard this, I've read this there's a science behind this. Okay. Physiological science. I'm not a science person, but I read this somewhere that when your, when your face smiles, that it sends signals to your body and your body releases chemicals and hormones and all of those things that actually cause your body to do a shift and you start to feel a little bit, a little bit happy.
2: And I bet it breaks you out of, um, like fight or flight or any of those things that are trauma responses, because why are you going to smile when the tiger's about to eat you? You know, exactly. So it like, oh, must be okay. We must exactly.
1: Be okay. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say too, you mentioned something about how, you know, they've stolen so much power. So you, you know, it's hard to think that you've got any power over your thoughts, but you do. It's actually, that's actually the one thing that you do have power over. You get to control your thinking. In fact, a lot of survivors actually do a really, really, I would say most of them do an amazing job of this in order to cause them to feel like they should stay. They think thoughts like positive thoughts about their Uh partner. They make excuses for him. They will give reasons why the abuse is okay and why, and it will help them to feel better. A lot of, especially a lot of Christians. I know I spiritualized everything, all everything was had always had a spiritual underpinning and then that would be my reason for oh you know what so it's really good that this happened to me and yeah. then i would feel much better about it i'd feel really yeah. good about the about the abuse i'd feel like yeah i'm just bringing so much glory to god
0: if you're a woman of faith in a confusing and painful marriage who feels like you're just a shadow of the woman you could be i'd like to help you change that Five years ago, I developed a comprehensive program that has helped hundreds of Christian women wake up to their reality and live powerfully within it as the adult women God created them to be. The Flying Free program uses transformational coaching, workshops, classes, and a close-knit community of women to support you on your journey. We will help you identify the problems and figure out what you can and can't do so that you can be empowered to move forward into the life you were meant to live. Imagine a deep dish apple pie with caramel, walnuts, and vanilla ice cream on top. Members have said that this podcast is like a little taste of the vanilla ice cream, but the Flying Free Program is the whole delicious slice of pie in all its glory. You'll never know what you're missing until you can bite into the whole thing. You can get all the details, including reviews, facts, and everything that comes with the program by going to joinflyingfree.com. I'll see you on the inside.
2: So I think we're taught within the Christian community that we have to spiritualize everything and that if we're not, then we're not really growing or we're not mature or we're not like real adults. And I completely disagree. I mean, I think that if we fully embrace our humanity and we are growing, then we're less prone to uh to try to fit everything into this this box of this is definitely like the route to go if we're we're going to become this. And I think that we were taught rules for so long in abusive situations and those are the things that held us captive and we just carry those into the future with us. And I think that surprisingly, the things that grow us the most are not to be found in some kind of equation at all or anything that looks like it. I think they're found in in freedom. And I also will say I had a friend who she was in a marriage that was very similar to mine. And at one point, this is probably at least two years ago, she was not out yet. And I was out, maybe not divorced. And we took our kids to the park and I said, get on the swings with me. So we go over to the swing. So we get out. I was like, whoever goes the highest, the fastest wins. I don't know what I meant by that. but <laughs> So we, you know, we swung, we swung, 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 swung. And I think I got up higher than her or something like that. And we were just laughing our butts off. And afterwards she said, Sarah, we need to do dumb things like this more often because I just realized that I have nothing fun in my life. Like there's no fun. Mm-hmm. And so you come out of abuse and then you get into like the recovery period, which is wonderful and good. But also really hard because, you you know, you've got to contend with all the damage that's been done to you and all the grief that maybe you haven't processed yet and probably even stuff that preceded your marriage. So, like, at some point, you have to take a break and just, just enjoy life. And I think at least I grew up thinking that that wasn't really a part of real life, that somehow that was less. Right. I completely disagree. Like, that's... Yeah. Like, how, When do our kids give us the most joy when they're just giggling and laughing and having fun? Right. So right. if you draw it back to God, like when, when are we being like the most ourselves and bringing him the most joy? I would say it's when we're enjoying ourselves and each other and the life he gave us. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. So c- circling back to what I, the point that I wanted to make was that we do, you think that you don't have power over your thoughts, but you actually do. And you uh-huh. can, you, there's a, that evidence that you do by showing that you can be experiencing some pretty tough, like criticism and rejection and gaslighting and all kinds of narcissistic abusive tactics uh-huh. being flung against you. And because in your brain, you're making it mean something else, Mm -hmm. you can actually find yourself living in that relationship for a long, 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 long time. That's what I did. Yeah. But And and so in some ways, you have to, in some ways, you at first need to change your thinking and say, okay, actually, this isn't okay. I I don't think it's okay anymore. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't want this to, I don't want to go through this anymore. Actually, I am going to change things up a little bit, either by changing your situation and getting out or by changing the way you think about it or by, you know, not engaging anymore or whatever. But the other thing is though, is that you can change the way you think. You can still think honestly about your situation. Like this person is the way they are and they're not going to change. That's just who they are. I'm going to just be honest with myself about that, but and I'm also going to be honest about the fact that that makes me feel. Well, I shouldn't say that. shouldn't say that makes me feel that I have thoughts in my head about that, that cause me to feel a lot of pain. And I want to look at some of those thoughts that I have about it and see if I can tweak them to create some joy in my life. And so let me give you an example in my life. One of the things that I've done that I did when I was going through my divorce process and everything was very, very, very dark is that I, and this is before I even knew that I could change my thoughts. Like I'd never had heard that concept before. I didn't know. I mean, I had heard like, you can read a Bible verse over and over again until you start feeling better. Right. I'd heard that before. I used to, you guys, I used to have Bible verses plastered all over my house to try to help me feel better. And it did, you know, it did, it worked, you know, like verses, like, um, you know, for the, you know, the plans I have for you plans to give you a future and a hope that would give me a a hope. But in my head, I always thought that was about heaven, or maybe that God was going to change my husband one day, or I had no idea that that could mean something like, I'm going to get you you know you're going to I'm someday going to make you a badass woman who gets up <laughs> who stands up and says, "I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. you know, I'm someday going to make you a rebellious jezebel, natalie, and and then you oh, can I get did. out. yeah, <laughs> see, I never would have gone there in my brain, but so but I would so one of the things I've done in did back then and that I do now is when things get really hard or things get tough because of something bad that's happening, is I stop. And look around me at, in, into what is happening right now in this moment. It could be as simple as I am walking down the stairs mm-hmm. and I just observe the stairs and I might look out my window and see a tree and there's a bird in the tree.
2: Yeah.
1: And I'm, and I think about that bird in that tree and how it's maybe a sunny day, or maybe it's a rainy day and how beautiful the rain is. Or so you see, I'm grounding myself in the very present moment and thinking about the beautiful things about that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's, it creates a shift in how my body feels so that my body isn't feeling quite so despairing, but it's, it's my body. I can say to myself, this is a hard situation that I'm in. I don't want, um, I don't want this person that I love to be thinking about killing themselves. For example, yeah. if I just heard that news, I don't want this person that I love to be thinking about killing themselves, but at the end, I can hold space for that. And also say that this is a beautiful day that I've been given. Mm-hmm. I can walk down these stairs. My back isn't broken. I have. I'm strong. I'm fe- I'm not, I'm healthy right now. Yeah. I, there are birds still, the world is still continuing to spin and my loved one is still alive right now. Yeah. See how we, a lot of times our pain is just in what the future might
0: hold.
2: I think that, um, I like that. And there are times where I have like the capacity and the presence of mind to, to do things like that. And then there are other times where I'm so low and I'm so worn out that I just inject humor or levity into the situation, like I borrow it from somebody else. Maybe I will go and read like some ridiculously stupid and immature list of memes, you know, that I see on Facebook that just make me laugh. Or I'll maybe I'll turn on a show or something. And these are things that I think in the past I would have felt guilt or shame over, but I don't because I'm not talking about, you know, binge watching for three or four days just cuz, you know, I just mean, you know, taking some time where I do something that like I said, just borrows fun or funny from somebody else. Right. And even that is good. I think that I believed for a long time that I had to solve every crappy thought in my, in my brain. And, yeah. And obviously you could never reach resolution when you were in an abusive marriage. There was no way to, you no. know, especially because we were thinking about it wrong. We we're thinking that we had to do, do, do and do better. And then eventually things would work out or, you know, Well, we thought way. we had to resolve it. Yeah. We yeah. thought we but, had to fix it. And so that's not true. But then I think also like some of the, um, what would you call them? Like the leftovers from living that life are like the negative thought patterns, you know? And some of those, I don't think they, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think they need to be reconciled. I think that sometimes they just need to be replaced and they can be replaced by being interrupted. So I just, if I don't have the capacity to, to, you know, sort of take them to the side and give them a spanking. (laughs) <laughs> and deal with them, <laughs> then I just say, oh no, and squash them with, you know, stupid Facebook memes or whatever, <laughs> because, yeah, uh, because I, like I said, it just, it does take, I would say for me, one of the biggest struggles I have besides like physical stuff is trying to be present in my life. And it's because of all the stuff, you know, past triggers and and things that, you know, like come up and I get really freaking tired of it. Sometimes I'm just, sometimes I'm tired of the like the amount of effort it takes to to try to live well and to try to to not let what's happened to me in the past be who I am or impact me negatively. And again, that may not be the best way to look at it, but I don't I don't want my entire existence to revolve around that. So sometimes I just pull myself out of the equation.
1: <laughs> right, <clears throat> and I think that's I think that is a a good um, I think that's good and healthy even, and it's kind of like. Um, You know, for a while I had to go on medication, anti-anxiety medication. And at first I was there, I was still kind of back in the shame mode where, you know, like Christians don't do that, but I did it because I was desperate and I was thinking a lot about killing myself. And I thought, you know, (laughs) maybe going on medication might not be a bad idea. So um, I went on medication and it was such a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the, what you just described is kind of like that. It's kind of like right now, I don't have the capacity to look at my thoughts and figure out why they're causing so much, why they're causing my body to shut down. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do something to get me through this moment Yeah, with the idea that later on, when I have a little more capacity to look at why I'm feeling this way, I can do that later. But right now I'm falling apart and I just need, I need a quick I need some relief.
2: And I think that's true self-care. And if there's something that you really do need to deal with, it's not as if it's going to disappear. It'll just keep popping back up. (laughs) Yeah, it it does.
1: And it sounds like as I'm talking, though, I'm like, oh, I hope nobody thinks that I'm saying, you know, if it feels good to just go out and, you know, smoke some pot to just get yourself through the day. I'm not saying that you guys have to do that. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't do that either. I'm just saying... (laughs) I'm, just, I'm not saying like we should all go out and buffer and just do whatever makes us feel good in the moment. I'm not a proponent of that. Yeah. And I don't think that's what you're saying either.
2: No. And I don't think many people who are listening are the kind that are going to swing the pendulum that far over. Right. We've been so caught up in a half-life because we're being abused and a half-life because we believed a lot of stuff that's just religious and it's not even truth. It's not life-giving and it yeah. just welches. I mean it's if if the basis of spiritual abuse, for example, is the ability to control others, then you can bet they just gave us a bunch of rules. Right. That crushed our spirits and and led us to hate ourselves and probably hate other people and hate life. So right. I think that you know, I haven't seen I used to think that if I gave myself grace, I would take advantage of it. So I never wanted to. And I thought that if I just beat myself up all the time, eventually I would become a better person. And that was the right way to go, no matter what, like that was the yep. right thing to do. And, you know, <laughs> I got to say that I feel pretty stupid at this point in a good way, because I realized that if, if that worked, it would have worked before now <laughs>
1: in, a, in everyone's lives. Cause most religions and most yeah. religious people actually have that belief. Yeah. And we and would have just so many amazing people walking around if that actually worked. And we don't.
2: It never works. And I, that's, that's something that I've had people many times in the last year, especially point out lovingly to me, just why do you, you're so hard on yourself because that's something I still struggle with. How How is this, how is even just thinking this not going to help you? And I'm like, it's not. And that right. ticks me off, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. So one of the things, I mean, I've talked about this before on this podcast, but I definitely want to go here now and then maybe we'll just wrap it up with this, but eventually what you do want to do, if you really truly want to find joy is you, it, you do need to change your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I know in the back of some of your mind, you're thinking, I don't know how to do that. What I'm supposed to think like, oh, everything's okay. Everything's just fine now. And then all of a sudden I'm supposed to feel great. No, that is not how we change our thoughts, <laughs> our thoughts. Our brain, our physical brain has to actually buy into a new thought. It has to actually believe a new thought. And so you can't say, like, let's say, I mean, I'm going to give, well, I don't want to give that example because I just recently gave it. Can you, why don't we do some, well, let's pick on you, Sarah. Think of a recent example of when, when, what's the most recent time that you felt pretty down?
2: Um... Let me, let me use, let me use one. That's not the most recent. Cause that's still something I'm going through. I'm just not ready. To okay, okay. Um, I had to take my daughter in for an operation just like two weeks ago. And it's based on uh, a condition that's a lifelong thing and it it's serious and it sucks. The, the big one.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. So what was your predominant thought about that whole situation that would, that caused you to, what was your feeling that you had, your most predominant feeling that you had? If you could pick like a one word feeling.
2: Like helplessness.
1: Okay. And so what was the thought that you were having? So the the thing I want to point out to all of you is that it's not because of what's going on in our lives that causes us to feel things. So Sarah, it wasn't because your daughter has this life-threatening illness and that you and that she had to go to the hospital and have the surgery. That's not why you felt helpless. Mm-hmm. You felt helpless because of uh, thoughts that were going through your brain, which are yeah. valid. They're pro- very sure. valid. And maybe you want to feel helpless. You know, that, that's yeah. totally fine. But what were those thoughts that you were having? Or what's one thought you were having?
2: That no matter how hard I try, I will never be able to do enough so that she can live a healthy life.
1: Okay. So no matter what I do, it'll never be enough for her to live a healthy life. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would definitely make me feel helpless too. Yeah. All right. So what you'd want to do, if you, did you want to feel helpless though, in that situation? How did you want to feel?
2: No, because, um, it's a, again, what you said is true. It's valid and it's, it's understandable, but, um, I feel paralyzed when I lean into that. Yeah. Um, when you're paralyzed, how do you show up then? Yeah. And there's an aspect to that. That's there's a grief to that. And I try to be honest with that and let myself grieve sometimes when it comes up and it usually comes up when we are about to have another operation or, but at the same time, um, I'm, I'm paralyzed by those kind kinds of negative thoughts. And, um, just for that sake alone, I think it's, it's worth eschewing them just saying, no, I, I can't embrace you. And, um, are you asking me what other thoughts I have? Like
1: what? Well, no, <clears throat> I was just wondering. So what, what, how did you want to feel? You know, we can't change the circumstance. Your daughter. Still has to going hopeful. To first- okay. So yeah. did you, were you able to come up with a thought that your brain actually bought in and believed that
2: helped you to feel hopeful? Um, I think, there were two things. One was more pragmatic. It was just, I cannot operate under this kind of pressure like that. I can't live under the pressure of I'm responsible for all of this. Like that's Mm -hmm. something that is unsupportable long-term. And are you, are, let's just go. Are are you responsible for all of
1: that? What's um, what's the reality?
2: I mean, to some extent her diet makes it, it does make an impact. um, But they're not sure about how much, you know, it's like, this is, it's rare enough that, there isn't even a standard of care for this condition. Yeah. So, but then the other part is um, I don't believe that this is like, it's, it's not a death sentence. And I don't believe that it's even a sentence of some of the other things that could happen because of it, that it's like, it's for sure determined. So I don't have to believe that I can choose not to, and that's not me denying reality It's just me as much as it's easy to believe the negative, it really is as easy to believe the positive and that they're both just thoughts, like you said,
1: and, and possibilities. Yeah. I mean, and, if you're going to give, you can give them both equal airtime. Like you could yes. say to your brain, yes, it is true. This could yeah. be debilitating for the rest of her life. And it is equally true that it's that she could live a normal life. Yeah, with this. definitely. Okay. Yeah. And
2: if, if that makes her time more precious. And I'm not even talking about her dying or anything. I just mean like, it just, it just makes, you know, regular life more precious because there's just some hard stuff on the other side. Um, then it makes, then it makes our time more precious and I'll, it sounds a little odd and it's not in some kind of weird, like, what is it? Is it, there's some condition where people like having a sick child or they fake. sick? Oh yeah. Munchausen. Is it Munchausen? I think that's what it yeah. Is. yeah. So I'm, this is not related to that at all, but I will say that, um, I always, uh, arrange it so that I don't have to take my other daughter when we're doing this stuff. Cause I can't take care of two kids at the same time. when One's having surgery, but mm-hmm. I really do like sort of the special one-on-one time we have. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. I get to demonstrate to her how much I care about her. And I also, so there's, there's another aspect of it that I, that I hate, which is that I'm always doing this alone. And, um, her father has no involvement with it. And I don't even think he remembers her condition or so it's, it's sometimes that stuff comes up, but I get to demonstrate to her how much I, I love her and, yeah. and uh, we don't get much alone time together. So, yeah. well, even the
1: thought, like I'm all alone in this, that would cause me to feel really sad and maybe even some anger. Mm-hmm. But, but if you, tr- if you reframe that, like I, I get her all to myself. Like that mm-hmm. totally shifts the whole point of view and causes that would cause if I was to have that thought, I get to have her all to myself, mm-hmm. and that would make me feel
0: like lucky.
2: Yeah. No, and I I do like it. And I think that it also these things force me to slow down and realize how precious her life is Yeah. not because I'm constantly scared of there's a constant threat of her dying. No, we're, we're not anywhere near that. Um, But just because it's serious and it's, you know, it's, it's not super light and easy and Mm -hmm. it, I like that it stops me in my tracks and then I just have to focus solely on her. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: So all of that is a great example then of how, a person can have joy Mm
2: -hmm.
1: while also being honest about the hard things in their life. You can have joy and sadness at the same time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think that movie inside out kind of shows the importance of that actually.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And she gets, it also makes small things sort of a big deal for a while. She'll get so excited when she can eat again, you know? Oh, just little things like that. And, and we get excited if the, the news is is really good. And this past time it was, I think that we might be able to, to double the amount of time in between operations now. Wow. So
1: I'm
2: pretty happy about that. And yeah.
1: Wow. Well, I don't know what people were expecting from this episode. <laughs>
2: because I, I didn't. What? A bunch of jokes. We've <laughs> failed them. <laughs>
1: No, well, I, I don't think I was expecting that. I, I didn't really know what to expect either. I just thought, let's just talk about joy and just see what comes out. Let's just see what comes up. Yeah. And I think there were a lot of good things that came up. And mm. now you get to write the copy for
0: it. <laughs> you get to wade through it and figure World out. World-renowned copywriter,
2: Sarah Richman, who talks about joy.
1: <sighs> oh, my goodness. Well, do you have anything else that you wanted to add that you were hoping to... Bring up before we say goodbye?
2: I think I would just say that a lot of who we truly are is crushed when we go through abuse. It's not that it's gone forever, but it's really crushed and sort of closeted and cloaked. So if you have the impulse to be weird or tell fart jokes or make a meme or or just send a weird wacky email, just do it. Just fully embrace those impulses unless it's going to hurt somebody somehow, but... That those are the things that they make all of this less lonely, and they just for somehow, even though they're small, they make life really worth living. So just yes. do it, and I think that that's a, a key part of our healing and a really big part of joy. Yes,
1: and I I think uh, watching comedies too mm-hmm. really helps. Yes. It helps to give it helps to make our own sense of humor sharper, mm-hmm. and I think we get funnier. When we watch comedies,
2: that's my only goal in life. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and with that, we're Sarah and I are both going to go and and watch some Netflix now. So, (laughs) encourage you to do the same. (laughs) Just kidding. All right, you guys, kind of a weird episode, but that's I think we wanted it to be a little bit strange and sideways and go out and have some fun. Okay. Until next time,
0: fly free. (laughs)